Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits. In each episode, we'll focus on specific habits for translators in various stages of their careers. If you're a translator who enjoys learning about habits to improve your business and lifestyle, then this is the podcast for you. We're your hosts, Madalena Sanchez-Zampalo and Veronica Demichelis. Like you, we are professional freelance translators trying to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. We hope you'll join us in this conversation about smart habits and discover some simple strategies you can apply today to help you build your career and achieve the lifestyle you desire. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This episode is sponsored by Smart Habits for Marketing Your Business in Unexpected Ways, the webinar that we hosted earlier this year and that is now available on demand. In this 75-minute webinar recording, you will learn how to market your business in ways that you may never have considered before. Make marketing your business feel like less of a chore and more like a natural part of your workday, and use platforms and tools you already have experience with to market your business without feeling salesy. By purchasing this on-demand webinar, you will get a recording that you can watch at your convenience, as well as a handout with our slides and a handy workbook that you can fill out as you go along. Plus, you can submit any questions to us by email. We're offering our listeners $10 off. Simply head to bit.ly forward slash smart marketing habits and use the code smart habits at checkout to get the discount. We had so much fun presenting this webinar back in January and working with a great group of colleagues who joined us then. And we are sure that you will get a lot out of uh, the on-demand version too. We are currently working on similar events that we'll be offering in the future, so stay tuned. And now on to today's episode. This is episode 38, and we thought that we'd share a conversation about a topic that we briefly discussed in several previous episodes and that many of our listeners often ask us about which is being a parent and a freelancer. But before we dive into this topic, let's share some updates. So let's see what's going on in my world. (laughs) Um, I am starting this week uh, a course for training for translators. I'm teaching a course called Copywriting for Translators. And this is actually about identifying and targeting your copywriting market. So it's for translators who also want to um, offer copywriting services to their clients, you know, either separately um, as an additional service or, you know, to the same clients who they translate for. Because I've heard from many people that they, um, Mm. some of their clients want original content written in the you know, in the target language. So they're, they're not actually translating, um, always, but, right. uh, yeah, I have had, um, a few people tell me who took this course before that now they're doing so much copywriting for their clients that it's about 50 to 60% of their workload right now. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then I'm about to open well, starting tomorrow, which is uh, March 10th, the doors to my, uh, TNI website blueprint course, which is teaching translators and interpreters how to create their own, uh, professional website for their business. And that one's usually pretty popular. I'm opening it for the first time this year in 2021, but I've offered it about six times before and it tends to bring a lot of translators and interpreters from all over the world so that one's really fun and so the last thing is um, working on a new course for training for translators which is all about um, linkedin for translators and interpreters so that's going to be coming up um, this course will start in may what about you wow 
That sounds like so much fun. And I、yeah. can attest to how, how great your blueprint course is. My website,、uh, I'm super happy with it. And I often get compliments from clients and colleagues. And I,、uh, you know, really tweaked it a lot and, and came up with a lot of great content thanks to the course that I took with you a while back. Yeah, your website's beautiful. Thanks. So,、uh, what's up with me? So, in addition to my translation work, Um, I am looking forward to some fun new professional development opportunities, including your copywriting course, because I am in that boat where a few of my regular translation clients、um, have started sending me,、um, since last year actually, some projects that are not translation related, but, but are you know, coming up with a copy in Russian. So I do see、um, that there's demand for this, and I'm looking forward to learning more about it and、um, adding it to my portfolio of services.、Um, yeah, awesome. That's really, really exciting. I'm looking forward to that course.、Um, and I'm also looking forward to、um, an ATA virtual workshop on. Um, interpreting、mm. idioms and cultural references in Russian. <laughs> so I'm always、yeah. being based in the US. I really miss、uh, professional development opportunities in my target language. So, whenever there is an opportunity to、uh, practice some skills or even listen to a presentation in Russian, I always jump at the chance. <laughs> yeah, and these don't come up that frequently. So, that's really、right. cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'm getting ready、uh, to teach my eight week course on introduction to localization and audiovisual translation that I teach with Houston Community College.、Um, it's usually hybrid,、um, in person and online, but due to the pandemic, now it's fully online and it starts in two weeks.、Um, mm -hmm. So I'm putting some finishing touches on it and I can't wait to meet my students. It's always fun to. Uh, meet the cohort that comes my way from, you know, having spent like a year learning just the introduction to translation and like various、uh, fields within translation and interpreting. And then they start my、yeah. course. And I always <laughs> feel like I kind of open up their world a little bit with,、like, oh, there's this whole new world of localization, audiovisual translation、mm -hmm. that many of them have not even considered.、Um, so、yeah. that's always super fun.、Uh, yeah. So that's, that's what's happening with me. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so let's dive in. Those of us who have kids know that parenting is a full time job, but running your own freelance business can also take a lot of time and energy. So, how do you combine the two without crashing and burning in the process? We don't have all the answers, but we'll share our experiences and what's worked for us. All right, so let's start off by sharing how old our kids are and how old they were when we started freelancing. So, My daughter is now four years old. She just turned four at the end of November. And um, she, uh, actually, she wasn't,、uh, she was born after I started freelancing. So I started freelancing、hmm. more than a decade ago. So she actually came into our lives after I had been doing this for some time. And、uh, I remember when she was born, it really. <laughs> Rocked my world. For anybody who's had a, a child after they started freelancing,、mm -hmm. it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Yeah. So my kids are eight years old and four years old.、Um, and I started freelancing when my oldest child, so our firstborn, sh she was three years old.、Um, so it was easier in that sense.、Okay. And before that, I was a full time employee in another industry. So、um, I was able actually to take a leave of absence when she was born. 
And um, just mm-hmm. when she was about six months old, I just started studying during her nap time and evenings, uh, partially for mm-hmm. like, you know, thinking about coming back to work eventually, and also just for a sort of <laughs> my own personal development. Yeah. Um, and it was everything from shorter to longer courses on various subjects. Um, and then I finished a two-year certificate program too. So mm-hmm. I started uh, freelancing when she turned three. Um, and that's when I quit my corporate job and decided to start my own freelance business. And then my son came a couple of years mm-hmm. later. Um, so with him, um, you know, I had I had a sort of a different setup that, that I'll share about mm-hmm. later. Um, so Madalena, you um, already had a business when you had your child. Did you do anything to prepare and set yourself up for success in that first year with a mm-hmm. baby? That's kind of like, it sounds like, oh, how did you set yourself up for, for success with a baby? Um, it's, you know, not always as easy as it sounds. And mm-hmm. <laughs> did you take some time off before uh, or after birth? And if so, how did you transition back to work after that? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I thought I was setting myself up for success in that first year. And I think I did for the most part, but it was, you know, the, the first time you're a parent, you really don't know if what you're doing is the right thing. You feel like you're, you're planning mm-hmm. ahead and doing this and that, you know, getting yourself ready. Yeah. So I did my best in the sense of like letting my, you know, um, like typical clients, the ones I work with the most, letting them know I was going to be going on maternity leave. So yes, I did take a maternity leave, maternity leave of about three months. Mm-hmm. No, it was a full three months. It was a, it was a whole quarter um, off from work. Mm-hmm. And I was only available to certain people, but not for like work-related things because I was also already serving on the board of directors mm-hmm. of the American Translators Association at the time and chairing a committee. So um, I didn't drop everything and just say, I am you know, out of commission for three months, right. but I pretty much, I didn't take on any new work or anything like that during that time. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know. I feel like my case is very different because my mom passed away in that quarter that I was taking off mm-hmm. from, um, from maternity leave. Yeah. And so that just actually on top of being a new parent just turned everything upside down. Of course. Um, so I feel like, I mean, this is a bit dramatic, but I feel like that first year was kind of traumatic for me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in the sense of like trying to juggle all the new things of being a parent, running a business, and then my mom passing away on top of it. So that was really difficult to deal oh, with. Goodness. And so um, even though I took time off, I don't know, I'm the kind of person who loves to I love my job, I like to work. So I really was ready to get back to work probably before I ended up going back, you know, before mm-hmm. that three months. But mm-hmm. I was also dealing with other stuff. So for me, going back to work, was essential, both for financial reasons. We live in Southern California, which is a very mm-hmm. expensive place to live. And also just for my own like mental health, it was, it's very good for me to, to have my work as well. It really um, is important to me. So um, when I did go back to work, uh, I don't know, I still probably was dealing with a lot at that time. So yeah. it wasn't my work didn't feel as robust as it did before I left uh, for maternity leave. But if I backtrack a little bit, I have to say that um, even though I, I set a lot of things in place before I um, left for maternity leave, I, I went on maternity leave before I was expecting to. So my daughter came about two weeks early um, because I had to be induced. Uh, yeah. So she was supposed to have been born in the middle of December. She was born the last day of November. Yeah. Um and 
And I thought I was ready, but you know what? <laughs> You're not ever ready, especially no. when you go to your your final, you know, uh, appointment and they tell you, you're not leaving today. You're going to be induced because if you go oh home, you could have a stroke. Like that's how, how oh, wow. serious it was for me. Yeah. 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 I ended up with, um, uh, pregnancy induced hypertension. They didn't call it preeclampsia at the time because I didn't have any of the symptoms of preeclampsia. And this is probably mm-hmm. a little too much information for people, but <laughs> that's essentially what happened. Like these are the yeah. things you don't expect right. and you cannot plan for. So that's kind mm-hmm. of where I'm going with that. Um, so I didn't get even to leave from my appointment that day. They immediately put me, they admitted me to the hospital to have her. Um, and so she was born a day and a half later. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So it was kind of a crazy time. Um, so like I say, you know, I tried to plan as well as I could, Mm -hmm. uh, but there were some things that were completely unexpected. So, um, going back to work after that time, I felt like, um, the transition was difficult, right? Because she was at home with me and my husband's mm-hmm. a professor. So luckily, because he's a professor, his schedule is sort of flexible in the sense of it's not a nine to five job, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes to campus, he teaches his courses, goes to his meetings and committee meetings and things like that and comes home um, if he's not you know, doing office hours for his um, undergrad or, or master's students. So mm-hmm. So that was nice. I mean, I'm very lucky in that sense, but it was very difficult for me because uh, I think I asked for help too late. Mm-hmm. Um, she she was home with uh, with me full time while I was still trying to work up until at least eight months of age before we ever got any help of any sort. Yeah. We don't we don't live near our family or anything, mm-hmm. you know. So um, the transition part, I don't know. It, it was. It was fine at first because she was still at the age where she was sleeping a lot, you know, and then when they hit about that fourth month or so, four to five months is when they start, you know, sleeping less and being more Mm -hmm. alert. So I was like doing whatever I could in the pockets of time that I could. And you know how that's exhausting. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Um, So trying to have some balance there, but also dealing with, you know, my my mom having passed away and so on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I was very balanced in that sense at that no. time. Yeah. And it if I'm being honest, it took me a really full year to feel like I was really back into like full work mode, full parenting. And mm-hmm. I mean, not, not that I wasn't doing both, but it, I didn't feel comfortable um, being able to transition back and forth between the two roles very well. It was very hard. I'm just, you know, really honestly, it was very hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did. (laughs) We all do it, right? We get through it. Um, But it was probably the toughest year, I can say, of my business because um, I had to be okay with letting some things, some opportunities that came up go and say, no, I just can't do this right now. And other things... I took on and made them work, but it was, yeah, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. about you? How was your transition? Yeah, I had two very different experiences. Mm. Um, so with my first child, I was lucky to get um, almost a year of paid maternity leave from mm-hmm. the company where I worked before. It's a Norwegian company, so they have amazing uh, maternity and paternity leave uh, policies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a year off fully paid. I had that financial security. My husband had a um, nine to five job, but I was hoping 
home with my first baby and I could just devote my time to the baby and to mm-hmm. doing pretty much anything I felt like doing and I felt like studying mm-hmm. um, you know I wanted to learn some more things about uh, things that interested me professionally or personally and at that time our family wasn't sure yet whether we'd stay in the U.S. or come back to Europe because we had a, uh, initially uh, come here on a uh, temporary like a one or two year visa work visa and then we kept extending it every year because we you know we felt like oh yeah it's it's working out mm-hmm. um, so I took one year maternity leave then I took a leave of absence for two more years and during that time it became clear to us that we'd probably be staying here so I started thinking of what I could be doing work-wise but I had all that time and um, sort of energy to <laughs> to do these things mm-hmm. um, I had a master's degree in translation uh, from that I that got from Russia but I never used those skills full-time and I had no clue how to run my own business I had no clue about freelancing really um, so um, I, I thought a career in translation would be a right fit for me here, um, but I thought I needed more more knowledge and help, which is why I took that two-year um, translation and interpreting certificate here in Houston while my daughter was a toddler. Um, and it was intense, but I was able to care for her still full-time until she was two years old, and then she uh, went to daycare, so I had more time during the day. Um, and, um, when she was about three years old, I started working, um, as a freelancer. And then with my second child, um, I already had, um, many clients. I, you know, I had volunteer responsibilities too, and I took two months off before his birth. Um, and I thought I did, you know, all the prep work, uh, sort of like you, it sounded like you did with your, with your child too. Like, you know, I, I thought I had things planned mm-hmm. out. We had, um, hired a part-time nanny for, you know, a certain, a specific date thinking, you know, when, when the baby's here, I will still have uh, some responsibilities, but not having to work full-time. And I had plans to come back to work about two or three months after my son's birth. But 10 days after he was born, I had a huge medical emergency. I had to be rushed to the hospital and needed blood transfusion and uh, was anemic for a long time after that. And I needed time to recover. Mm-hmm. So I had to say I had to, you know, make some phone calls and say no to a lot of work that I had committed to and find um, colleagues who could do it for me. Um, and we hired a nanny for half a day um, so that I had some time in the morning, you know, to rest, to do certain things. I, yeah. I just needed help, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but then when I recovered, we still kept the nanny for half a day. Uh, so I had time uh, from, say, 8 to 12 in the morning to mm-hmm. to work. Um, and then um, I would put my son down for a nap and still get two hours of work in and then, you know, pick up my daughter from daycare and um, be with the kids in the afternoon. And then if needed, I could work an hour in the evening. Um, mm-hmm. So at about 18 months, uh, when, when my son was about 18 months old, our nanny moved to another state and we started using daycare. So with both of my kids, I transitioned them to daycare uh, in the sense that they would first do half day and then full day. But yeah. I think in all honesty, kids do fine with, with full transition. It's harder on the parents. So it was mostly mm-hmm. for my own sake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, true. but I think with, with my with my second child, for sure, that experience showed me that you can't really be fully prepared because you yeah. can plan as much as you can, but you never know what could happen. It could be, you know, God forbid there's a medical emergency, but even like smaller things and um, mm-hmm. or, you know, family issues that could come up. So um, there are just some things you can't predict and you can't plan for. So you just need to 
you know, uh, give yourself some grace and and uh, and let yourself do what you have to do because your health and mm-hmm. your family comes first. So yeah, that was my learning from that experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've never talked about this before. I had no idea that you had to deal with that. That's no, those are the things you know. You just don't know. You can no. plan as much as you want for all mm-hmm. of this stuff, yeah. and it's out of your hands at some point. You know, I, yeah. Right. yeah. So. Um, that's a good transition, actually, to talking about, you know, how you got help. And, and I sort of mentioned with us, I think I waited mm-hmm. too long. And I only have one child. But even so, you know, um, taking care of, of any number of children is a, is a huge challenge, especially mm. when running a business. But um, let's talk about how we managed to care for our kids and run a freelance business um, now. But also, you know, like you said, in the beginning is mm-hmm. is a is a something you have to ease into as well. So like I said, for me, um, we ended up having somebody come and stay with Julia, let's see, three mornings a week or something. Mm -hmm. It was not full time. It was not Mm -hmm. five days a week, but it was so helpful. But I found that if she was here, I had to be out of sight. Because yeah. if, if my daughter saw me, like she wanted to be with me and it was mm-hmm. just a whole mess. Yeah. Um, so we just made it work. You know, I would work in another room sometimes. Other times I would work like at a local cafe or library or something, but I did it. I, I consistently made sure that during that time I was working, I was working and I wasn't, you know, trying to go help um, the sitter with whatever she needed or find things or, oh, the baby cries, I need to go see what's going on. I did not do that. I really tried to focus on that time for my business so that when I wasn't working, I could focus on my, my child. So right. I thought that was, it wasn't easy by any means, but it was necessary and um, just made everything work more smoothly. And um, now, let's see, let's Let's fast forward, not to now, but slightly before that, I guess, a few years ago. She started um, at a little daycare center, educational center at about 18 months. That was as um, young as they would take children there. So she was 18 Mm -hmm. months old. So she was home until she was a year and a half. And after that, uh, she was there. We started at first, like you said, three days a week, and then we quickly realized for consistency's sake, for her, yeah. it needed to be five days a week. And it was also better for us, but we weren't ready to do that yet. And mm-hmm. turns out that she was confused. One day she goes, one day she doesn't. And yeah. she was very upset in the beginning about it. So yeah, so it worked out and she loved it there. And then now she's older, of course, and she goes to a preschool um, five days a week. Uh, but the amount of time that she goes now is shorter, actually. It was a little bit mm-hmm. longer when she was at the at the educational center there where mm-hmm. she was. So I really have to get in my work um, between the hours of 8 and 3 every day. Yeah. So that's how we do it now. We don't have um, an additional sitter right now, especially because of COVID, right? So mm-hmm. I do everything I can in those hours. Um, and, you know, that's just what we do for now. I mean, it's going to change again, obviously, as she gets older. Yeah. Um, but what about you? Do you have help right now? Or how does a typical day look for you, um, considering like your family schedule and, and mm-hmm. things like that? Yeah, so it, it really is different these days than uh, last year <laughs> during the lockdown and even before before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so our family lives in Europe, we have no family here locally. Um, right. So any yes. help um, any help we can get or any help we used to have was hired help. Um, okay. We would use babysitters with, with our daughter. Um, 
and as I mentioned, I stayed home with her. She stayed home with me until she was three and then, oh, sorry, mm-hmm. about two years old. And then she went to daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, uh, we would just use babysitters with her from time to time uh, when we needed it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then we had a, a half day nanny with, with our son later on. Um, and I sort of, I like I like it in the sense that it gave me a chance to transition from being an employee to being a freelancer. Mm. Um, so working, you know, first at nap time and evenings, then having half a day to work. And then uh, when when um, my daughter transitioned to a full day uh, daycare, then I had a full day, well, a quote unquote full day. It's not really a full day. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, last spring and summer was of course crazy with the lockdown and the schools being closed and so that that was a whole different story um, and we just did our best we tag team uh, teamed with with my husband and um, yeah it was really survival mode yes <laughs> we do the best you can but these days um schools are open here uh, in texas and uh what happens like we we kind of have a routine that's that's normal for us now i wake up early i wake up at about 5 36 in the morning mm-hmm. um i get maybe 30 minutes of work in before my kids wake up i you know finish some important tasks that i maybe i need to deliver something maybe i need to check my email or write some emails that i mm-hmm. don't want to sort of leave for for my regular work day I exercise and then I get the kids ready for school, bring them to school at about eight and I start working at 8.30. And I have until, I mean, my son's daycare is flexible. I really could pick him up at six in the evening. That would be fine. But um, our daughter is now in elementary school, so she must be picked up at 3.30. We're mm-hmm. not using after after school care, like we're in the after school activities. Mm-hmm. So I have, yeah, from about 8.30 till 3.30. And um, if I have something big to finish or some, some urgent things, I may sometimes work for an hour or so after I pick up the kids or maybe when they're in bed in the evening. Um, and yeah. as I mentioned, it was much crazier <laughs> last spring and summer. And pre-pandemic, my kids had after-school activities. So almost every day, mm. um, every you know weekday after school, we would have dance, or we would have a gym, or we would have you know soccer or something with you know with like a to- <laughs> toddler soccer. You're one of those parents, so, huh? Because yes, I'm not involved so, in any of those things right now. So but I was a freelancer a day and like a. Um, how do they call them uber moms or something <laughs> in the afternoon um yeah so uh, wow. it, it, it's really it's always changing um mm-hmm. and schedule or not having kids means that you always should be prepared for the unexpected yeah um there are always sick days there are half days at school our favorite right oh. uh, there are school holidays uh and so on and of course let's not forget the dreaded middle of the day phone call from school letting you know that your kid threw up and needs to be picked up immediately <laughs> <laughs> so um, how do we prepare for these situations? Mm. So um, I'll share uh, my approach to that. You know, I think with emergencies, you really can't control them. So you do the best you can. So if I do get that dreaded phone call, um, I quickly, you know, I take a deep breath and I quickly see, is my husband around? Is he in a meeting? Can he pick up the kid while I wrap up some work and then we uh, switch out and, you know, we take turns taking care of a sick child, obviously. Yeah. Um, if um, 
If it's a planned break, like a planned half day at school or a school holiday, we usually get notice about it from school well in advance. So I make Mm -hmm. sure that I put it in my calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, I uh, made a mistake of not doing that a few times in the past, and it really caught me off guard. Like, oh, (laughs) it's half day today. So Yes, I've been there. I've done that. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. You learn your lesson. (laughs) Right. You learn your lesson, and then you plan. You put it in your calendar. Um, and uh, if I can, I just plan a day off for myself if my kids are home for a day, you know, or uh, mm-hmm. if it's an early um, dismissal for them. I just don't let that uh, sneak up on me. I take some time off if I can. And if not, I find an activity for them to keep them busy for, say, 30 minutes while I wrap up some stuff. And I'll, I'll just finish in the evening when they're in bed. Um, if it's a longer break, then, you know, it's it's a different story. And then go, I, I actually spend more time planning uh, some activities for the kids and, and how to entertain them. And I'll share about that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, just having stuff in my calendar that's coming up that I can plan for. Uh, adding, I, I actually add a reminder for myself like a week or two before that planned uh, holiday break or planned short day at school mm. so that I'm aware that this is coming uh, and I can plan my workload. I can maybe you know, uh, wrap up some tasks quicker or find a colleague to split the work with. So it really helps having colleagues you can rely on and work with together. Um, helping, it also helps to discuss with your partner. Um, you know, my husband, we we, um, we we discuss how our schedule looks like and how we'll take turn t- uh, taking care of the kids. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I I think I've shared about it in the past too. Like I like to just build up some extra time and deadlines when mm-hmm. clients approach me. I see if I could add, you know, a few hours or half a day or a day even if possible because uh, these emergencies always come up and I would much rather turn in a project earlier um, sure. because nothing <laughs> crazy happened with my family and I was able to uh, turn the project in earlier than... Um, having to ask for an extension because something uh, happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I did mention, I think it's super important to have colleagues that you can uh, rely on and check in if you need help. Like, hey, are you available? I have a project I need help finishing or we can split the work and do it together faster. Mm-hmm. So what about you? So yeah, I've learned the lesson of yeah. not paying attention to when the school holidays come up because, you know, that's one thing too. I mean, I'm sure even, you know, our colleagues can relate to this, that mm-hmm. uh, like bank holidays and stuff like that, when when a lot of us do just work through them because it doesn't make a difference to us. It's all right. the same. It's just another day. Yeah. Um, like the one that happened most recently, I laughed because <laughs> I was talking to some European translators that day and I said, oh yeah, today's President's Day, which means nothing <laughs> to most of us, but my kid is off school because it's a bank holiday, you know? Right. And, and that's the thing is like, that was uh, I made the Ricky mistake early on <laughs> when she was in school. That I didn't pay attention to those dates on the calendar, and now right. I'm like, oh no, wait, that that equals a day off for her. I can, mm-hmm. you know, I need to be careful there. Yeah. So what I've done is I've just made sure that those dates are in my calendar ahead of time. And one thing that tends to creep up on me is when people want meetings because I have a lot of meetings. Um, I try to not you know, schedule any meetings for those days, of course, but also like if she's going to have a half day of school, which as you said, the dreaded half days, (laughs) I hate the half days of school because um, I feel like everything has to be then shortened into like from eight to noon. I have like four hours um, before she she comes home from school. So I really try on those days to never take meetings um, because I 
that those meetings could take up half that time or something, you know? So, uh, as far as work goes on, on, um, like a half day or a holiday, I'll do like you and I'll just try to schedule some time in where I can to get certain things done if I need to do them on those days. Um, she's, she still naps at four years old. Thank goodness. So, um, I'll use that time. But like you said, if I have to, I'll do it after she goes to sleep at night. Um, but I've really tried to avoid working at night if I don't have to or on the weekends now. Um, and that is something that I have learned to do better now that I had a child. Does does that make sense? Do you find that that's true? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, um, as far as planning goes, definitely, if it's not on my calendar, I won't remember it. (laughs) So that's something that I do. But also, um, like you said, I prepare ahead of time with my husband and I say, okay, if you can take Julia this day at this time, I will do the same for you on another day. So we sort of switch off that way, which we've found to be better than trying to switch off too much on the same day, because then neither one of us gets much done that day. Whereas Mm -hmm. if we get the longer block of time each, and we say, okay, you did this. I'm going to do it the other day. That It just works out better for us for the most part. So, And somehow things always get done. Um, so I always try to remind myself of that. It will get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's super important. Yeah, just keep that in mind when you're feeling stressed. Um, so let's talk about the days when they do stay home for one reason or another, but we still have work commitments. Um, I kind of just mentioned that as far mm-hmm. as like what we do with trading off. Yeah. But if it's a planned day, like you were saying, we, we we share that in advance. So what we do is on Sundays before a week starts, uh, we will sit down and say, I have this going on this week on these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there is a day that she's going to be home, we talk about that. Now, sometimes there's a, a planned day where one of us already had something scheduled, but we didn't realize it was a day off. So we just talk to the other one and say, hey, can you, you know, like take her to the park while I have this meeting or while I do this thing and then I'll take her for the for the afternoon or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So we do trade off like that. But like I said, we try to do it in blocks of time. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. So pre pre pandemic, <laughs> uh, we we would, um, you know, try to find a babysitter, um, especially if it's a planned um, half day or um, mm. like a, a day where we really, really need it. And that, you know, pre pandemic, my husband um, worked at the office. So I, I was the one working from home. So it was all on me. So I would see if we mm. could find a babysitter and um Sometimes we we use like regular babysitters. <laughs> I remember one time uh, a few years ago where our neighbor had um, daughters who were you know old enough to babysit, and he needed mm-hmm. Russian classes. So he was like, "Let's trade off. You'll teach me oh. Russian, and they'll babysit your your kids." And <laughs> that worked out well. Oh, that's nice. Right. So I always <laughs> say like, you know, if you if you feel like you can't afford it, see if you can trade off somehow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and these days we we tag team, we do the same. And I know that for my husband, he uh, works with colleagues in Europe a lot. So if he has meetings, they usually are in the morning. Uh, So I try Mm -hmm. to schedule any meetings I need to have in the afternoon so that we're not both busy at the same time if something happens. And you're you're not both taking up the Wi-Fi for Zoom at the same time. (laughs) For Zoom. (laughs) 
That's a smart yeah. thing. Yeah. So we'll, you know, if the kids are home for an extended period of time for, you say, sickness, you know, or it's the school is closed or whatever, um, then uh, one of us gets to work in the morning and the other one gets to work in the afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I just had to decline or postpone work or find a replacement or ask for an extension, like in advance, you know, if, if a project comes my way, I say, I can't, um, I'm busy this week, but I'll, I can do it next week by, you know, such and such date. And you don't have uh-huh. to explain, you know, why just you're, you're busy. No. So <laughs> no, I think that's good. You don't have to explain. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. Yeah. So my, my motto is just that I need to avoid stress at all costs. Um, it's not going to make me mm. a better parent. If I'm stressed, it's not going to make me a better professional if I'm stressed. So no. if something yeah. like this happens and I, have no other way around it. I, I just spend a quiet day playing with my kids and coloring and then I work in the evening if needed. You know, emergencies happen, things like this happen. Uh, but as you said, things will get done. So <laughs> as long as mm-hmm. you keep that mindset and you are clear about your priorities, um, it's easier to handle these situations because there are just some things you can't control. Uh, you can't control that yeah. the school is closed or you can't control that your child is sick. But there are some things you can control. So what can you do within that time? what you know how can you make things easier for yourself and for your family and what can you Mm do um, to catch up on work when you do have time so um, and then of course when when kids are uh, at uh, at schools you know whether it's a daycare or a school sometimes they are closed for longer periods of time you know we have spring Mm -hmm. break we have summer and winter Mm -hmm. holidays so how do we handle longer periods of time like these with kids at home um, and again, yeah. it's different. Uh, it was different for me pre-pandemic and, and uh, nowadays. Mm. So um, before before the pandemic, uh, we used to use uh, summer and winter camps a lot with our older child. She loves them. So that would give us... And daycare, mm-hmm. my son's daycare is usually open, um, you know, during most of these holidays except Christmas. So we would have one yeah. child at daycare, the other child happily playing and learning at summer or winter camp. And that would give uh, both me and my husband, um, you know, time to, to work or to do any anything we had to get done while the kids are busy and happy. Um, but sometimes we also kept them home. Like I had a summer even before the pandemic where I was like, oh, we'll see how we handle <laughs> the kids being home without mm-hmm. the summer camp. And it was fine. You just, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, what helps me and that actually helped me a lot last year when we couldn't use summer camps and the kids were home <laughs> all summer and all mm-hmm. spring and most of the fall. Um, what helps is to make a list of things that they enjoy doing and that I enjoy doing. Um, because in the moment when you're like, you know, in, in a crunch and you're like, oh, what can, what, 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 how can I keep them busy and happy? And uh, what can yeah. they do while I get some work done? It can be difficult to come up with ideas. So it helps me to plan ahead. So I make a list with uh, now with, that my daughter is older, I can make a list with her of different ideas and things we can do together and different things she can do on her own or with her brother. Um, And um, we like to do it for the whole summer, but you could also do it for like a week at a time and just check things off as you go. So when, you know, in the morning you're like, oh, what what shall we do today? And you pick from that list rather than like scrambling and (laughs) Googling or going on Pinterest. (laughs) 
<laughs> for ideas. That's a great idea. Um, so mm. last spring during lockdown, when we realized we have work and we have kids at home for we don't know how long, yeah. um, we mm-hmm. may, had made a daily schedule for the kids and I had it printed and laminated. <laughs> you know me. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I have a laminator, full confession. Um, so I gave them each a clipboard with that laminated schedule. And of course, for, and clipboards. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, it just makes them uh, happy. I mean, they, they, yes, they just and they were in so charge of their right. schedule. Yeah. That's cool. So they get a clipboard and a dry erase marker. And I mean, I just created okay. a fun template on Canva and had, had the schedule printed. So for our daughter, it was, um, you know, written out. And for our son, there were some pictures and images that helped mm-hmm. him understand what he's supposed to do. Um, so we had like, you know, boring stuff like chores, make your bed and have breakfast and clean or, you know, get dressed, brush your teeth, yeah. but also some activities like write a story for our daughter it could be like write a story and draw a picture about that story or read a book to your brother or, you know, build a <laughs> castle out of Legos or something. Just give them a mm-hmm. task. <laughs> Um, and we used the timer and alarm function on the iPads and the uh, and also on our Amazon Echo devices, um, so that I didn't have to always be like, oh uh, goodness, it's snack time, or you know, oh my daughter is supposed to do this at this moment, oh it's nap time. So we would have the alarms remind us and even our kids of like snack breaks or screen time is over. <laughs> Uh, we would also like add um, on the schedule, when is our local zoo having a Facebook Live and showing their animals? When is an art oh, class yeah. uh, on YouTube you know, or on Instagram? There was a cooking class uh, last spring that my daughter really enjoyed. So we would add those activities to the daily schedule too. Um, and it, it teaches them independence. Uh, it introduces a routine in a, in a very difficult time, which helps mm-hmm. the kids as well. We like to give our older child uh, responsibility to help the younger ones. So it teaches her responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we just focus on spending meaningful chunks of time with them throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be long, like 20, 30 minutes, really undivided mm-hmm. attention, doing something with them so that it kind of, I, I think of it as kind of filling up their buckets with with attention, mm. you know, with, with that undivided time, so that then they are willing to spend some time alone and do something independently. Also, what really helps our family is a, a routine. You know, we have set times for breakfast. We have a set time for um, snacks, lunches, and quiet time is my favorite time of the day, both on work days and <laughs> weekends. Uh, with right. both of our kids, we introduce quiet time after they stop napping. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have to, um, now that they're used to it, it's two full hours that they have to play in a room, you know, play together or independently, read, color, that is do wonderful. something on their own. But when they're younger, wow. we didn't start with two hours right away. We kind of build sure. up to it. So 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But that quiet time now is gold, especially when they have to yeah. stay home. Wow. So what about you? Okay, well, no surprise. I'm not as organized as you are about this situation. <laughs> um, sure. But also, we only have one child. So yeah. uh, we're still in the stage where she really wants us to play with her pretty much anytime she's playing. So that has been kind of hard for us is to find certain things that she's willing to do on her own. She really likes, mm-hmm. you know, somebody there with her doing things. She understands that we have to work, but um she's home for like an extended period like you said like a break or a holiday or something we really try to just give each other long periods of time to work separate you know like at different times of day so like Mm -hmm. I'll get the morning on one day and and my husband will get the afternoon and then we'll switch 
um, yeah. for various reasons, whether somebody has a meeting at a certain time or, you know, sometimes you just think better in the morning. So you really need a morning a couple times a week mm-hmm. or something. Um, yeah. She is young enough to where we didn't have a lot of after school activities before the pandemic because she was so small. Uh, but we're starting to think about that now for the future because uh, the school that she was in before this year was like, I think like your son, like a year round type of schedule. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's not. She's going to be off in the summer for like, what, two or th- two to two and a half to three months. Right. Um, so we're thinking about like the types of activities. I think we're going to do like swim lessons this year and she's very mm-hmm. into performing <laughs> She's very, she's very artsy and likes to dance and draw and do so Mm -hmm. things like that. But one thing I did find, um, what was that? What period of time was that? I think it was over maybe the Christmas holidays, New Year's and all that was a longer break. Um, there was a website. I'll try to find the name so we could put it in the show notes, but essentially you Mm -hmm. could sign your kids up for a virtual class of some sort and they have classes for adults too. That's so cool. Yeah. So I put her in a dance class and this particular one was themed with a movie that she loved. So it was like Mm -hmm. all about that movie and all the music from that movie. And it was very inexpensive, you know, for like 30 to 40 minutes and she loved it. So, um, I like your idea of having a list of things that they can do with you or on their own. And just, I think she's old enough now to be able to do that type of stuff and, and understand that, you know, like this is our time together and this is you know, now your time to do things. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a really good tip that you gave. Um, yeah, we, we flounder probably more than you do on that because <laughs> you're so organized about it. Uh, but we that came with experience <laughs> <laughs> of of like you know having actually you know not not planning it and being like oh now we're home for two and a half months what are we gonna do mm, yeah right yeah. so we're already thinking about now this summer which mm-hmm. is going to be coming up before we know it um so yeah there's that kind of thing too but also whenever she has like a long break we try to take at least part of that break as our own vacation too so we take off, you know, from work for a certain number of days so we can do something as a family. So we kind of make it into vacation, even though nobody went on vacation last year. Um, mm-hmm. We do take the time off together, but it's usually not that whole long period. So we'll be planning that soon for the summer and seeing how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's trying to plan ahead is is probably the best tip but it's something like you said you have to get creative with it because it's it can start yeah. to feel like one day after the other is the same you know and mm-hmm. just becomes a lot um something that i know nobody's probably doing right now but it's it's an option um is to uh like check out books from a library i know that ours is yeah. closed i think still but you can do like mm-hmm. a pickup so you could um order the books online and pick them up and if you're you know still cleaning things that you pick up. Um, you know, a lot of people are still cleaning groceries and stuff. You Mm. could certainly clean the books or something before you keep them, but then you, you could do it like every week and that could be a fun experience. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that type of, of a thing to where you're not spending money, but you're doing something that feels a little bit new every week, or maybe checking out a new park every week when you do have that time together Mm -hmm. just to get out of the house a little bit. Um, that's a great idea. Yeah. So um, I think it's also important to mention here that the pressure of trying to be a good parent and do your best as a business owner is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it leads to uncertainty whether you're doing the right thing. And I've been there. I know that one well. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The feeling of constantly putting out fires and also a sense of guilt. 
Um, in fact, we covered this specific topic of guilt in episode seven. So if you haven't heard that one yet, you can go back and listen to episode seven. It's called Overcoming Family Versus Work Guilt. And mm-hmm. we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So off the top of my head, though, my number one tip for overcoming the family versus work guilt is to remember that, um, oh, and you know, I just heard this again yesterday. It was said a little bit differently than, than I would have said it, but I think this person stated it better. And she said, I think it's important to remember that you are not the sole person in your child's life who can do and be everything for them. Mm. And I remember as a new parent, I think I heard that said slightly differently. And it gave me a sense of like relief. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like yeah. your your family's in a similar situation to mine. We have no family near us, no help otherwise, unless we hire, mm-hmm. hire somebody, which is also a stressful thing to do because you, you yeah. have to go through a whole process just to hire somebody. Um. And it was that feeling of relief when we finally like hired a sitter to come a few days a week or we put her in in that little, you know, daycare um, school, you know, five days a week Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time each day. It made me think I'm actually doing my child a service to not just give them only one perspective or only Mm -hmm. one person who gives them attention and love and teaches them. You know, we cannot be everything to everyone and we cannot be everything to even one person, you know, or our children. So um, I think it's important to remember that when you do introduce new people to your kids um, or even, you know, when your kids are older and they're doing other activities while you're working um, and you need to work and and it's good for them to be doing other Mm -hmm. activities. It makes them more well-rounded. It gives them social interactions and stuff. I think that... I don't know if that's considered a tip, but I do think it's something to keep in mind is mm-hmm. that having these other activities and people in their lives and something outside the home is not only healthy for you, right? Yeah. But it's healthy yeah. for them. Um, and so for me, that relieves some of that work guilt because, I mean, you probably experienced this during the, mm-hmm. the pandemic in, in 2020. Um not that it's not still going on, but during the, the time where you're, you had to homeschool your daughter, um, mm-hmm. our, you know, your yeah. younger one and mine are about the same age. So we weren't really right. doing homeschool with them necessarily, but the older ones, mm-hmm. right? The, a lot of parents I heard, they're like, I'm not meant to be teaching children. No. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there are people who, you know, really thrive with that task and really enjoy mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. um, I really felt uh, like... I wasn't prepared for it. Um, and then you have the younger child to keep safe and, and happy and entertained. So that's stressful. Yeah, I really like um, your tip. It's it's really important. And I, I remember also, you know, now, now that mine are four and eight, I feel like it's mm-hmm. getting easier. But uh, when they were younger, you know, for, with both of them, I just had to remind myself that uh, these two shall pass. You know, they keep, they keep saying that to you when you're a young parent, but that's true. And um, yeah. I really got a new perspective on this when my second child was born. Yeah. And I realized that my first child, it now seems like a giant <laughs> and uh, is suddenly not a baby anymore. Um, so um Knowing that this sh- this too shall pass, what can you do about it? What do you choose to do about it? You know, and I, I, I think it's healthy for the parents 
to not choose the path of stress um, and uh, feeling guilt and struggling with that guilt, like, oh, I'm not giving my whole self to my family and I'm not giving my whole self to my work. It's not helpful to anyone. Uh, but my tip uh, would be to find a community and um, don't be afraid to reach out to other people who are in a similar situation um, and ask for advice or for just for permission to vent to each other. I think that we are often afraid of um, appearing weak or unprepared or seem like we're failing and we don't have it all together. But many parents, uh, both mothers and fathers um, who have kids at home and are working, they often feel alone and they could really use some support. Um, so it can be through your professional community, through your neighborhood, through your friends, but you do need someone. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, my tip because that's, that's really helpful. And it can be different people at different stages and phases of your parenting journey. Um, I remember with, uh, with my f- first child, um, she was at home uh, with me for, for a longer period of time. It was, it was a local mom's group. And then when I started freelancing uh, and working, it was, it was some neighbors and friends who were in a similar situation. And then um, as my kids grew up and I started working more, it was through um, the professional community and people like you, uh, you know, who, were, who had kids similar age and mm-hmm. were in a similar situation. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that that's a really good tip is to know that you, you know, you can lean on other people. Like, it's, I guess our tips are similar in that sense. Yes. Don't feel bad about that. Right. It takes a village, as they say, and that's true. Mm-hmm. So to end this conversation on a fun note, I wanted to ask you what your daughter says uh, when someone asks her what her mom does for work. <laughs> does she get what you do? Mm. Uh, what does she call it? What does she call your job? Or how does she explain it to others? And um, like prior to the pandemic, or, you know, maybe when she was younger, did she ever comment on the fact that you work from home? And how did you explain that to her? Mm, Yeah, Um, so she doesn't, I don't think she does fully grasp what I do for work. She does know that I work at the computer. And when she gets home from school, if my husband picks her up, uh, which he's doing more often now, since he's on sabbatical, actually, which is been wonderful lately for me so I can work as long as I can but she does come in and she says can I work with you and she'll she'll come and try to sit with me and she brings me a flower from school every day that she's picked but she doesn't quite fully understand what I do I explained it to her and um she's she's trying to understand Mm -hmm. and uh she like if I if I tell her, she'll repeat it back to me, but I don't think she's really grasped what a translator is, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I think she will be getting it in the next, you know, little little while. Yeah. She's still she's still young, but she will get it. Um, and I think she does understand that I work. I've always explained to her that I have to work right now and I mm-hmm. will see you later and I will play with you and we'll go yeah. do this or that or whatever. So um, that hasn't really changed. Uh and no, she's never commented on the fact that I work from home. Something's mm-hmm. funny, though. She'll say to me, I'll say when she gets home from school, I'll say, I missed you when you were at school today. And she'll say, I missed you when you were at home today, <laughs> which is funny. But yeah. she does realize I'm working. I don't think she's ever known anything mm. different necessarily. She yeah. just It's just that I've always worked from home. So yeah. um, sometimes it's hard for her to, to, to recognize that I am actually working and I can't do everything at the same time but when Mm -hmm. she's home I try to be with her 
Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, it's that age group. At four years old, it's hard for them to mm-hmm. to grasp these concepts as you know, translation or translator, or freelancer. Um, and I remember when when our daughter was two or maybe two and a half years old, um, she saw like she knew that. Uh, her, her dad, so my husband, would go to the office in the morning and come back from the office in the evening. And she's, mm-hmm. she knew that I am at home. So she said something like, Daddy's work and Mommy stay home. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Some some daddies uh, work from home okay. and some mommies work at the office and it works different. You know, it, it can be the other way around, too. So we had mm-hmm. many conversations about different ways and different places people work. Um, mm-hmm. Then as she got older, and especially when she started um, kindergarten and elementary school, um, you know, she, she was able to grasp this better. And I did, um, I remember they invited uh, parent volunteers to her kindergarten class to talk about jobs and, and professions and how people earn money. And mm-hmm. um, I was trying to explain to her and her friends in her class what, what a translator does. And um, the easiest concept I could find that they could relate to was a children's book. So I brought a children's book in Russian and in English, and I showed them, uh, you know, the two. And I was like, well, somebody who does Mm -hmm. the same job as me translates from, and and I would ask, you know, I asked if any of the kids uh, spoke other languages uh, than English, and there were a few in addition to uh, my daughter in the class, um, so they could understand that, you know, languages are different and somebody needs to convey the story from one language to another. But then after after that, she thought I was translating books. So it took a few conversations to, to fix that. <laughs> but now that she's eight, she's more mature and curious, and she's also more used to technology. Um, so whereas a couple of years ago, she would say, oh, yeah, my mom puts words from one language to another, or she would say, like, my oh. mom translates books but not really <laughs> and, and now she says uh she knows translator so she could say you know my mom's a translator um and she can say my mom translates documents and stuff on the internet <laughs> oh that's cute uh, and she even asks questions she's really curious so she asked me um she will like step into my office and like what are you working on and why does it need to be translated and who is it for and why can't they do it themselves <laughs> oh that's you know those are great questions so, so she is getting yeah, the full grasp yeah. of it now she is yeah she's she's interested in it and of course uh, our four-year-old old uh no he just says mommy types on her computer all day yeah that's what mine thinks so, too so yeah it's okay we're we're <laughs> in the same age range there okay right okay well this has been a fun conversation i mean it's been a while yeah. since we talked about these things right um but we have a little bit of time left so let's do a smart habit check-in So I'm starting to work on a habit that um, a lot of people have told me is helpful, including my doctor, um, but I've resisted it for a long time, and that is uh, meditation. So I was listening the other day to um, Speaking of Translation with our colleagues Yves Baudou and Corinne McKay, and they were both talking about how they had recently started meditating. And I was like, you know, I keep hearing I should do this. I keep resisting doing it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, you know, sit for a certain period of time and do nothing. And, you know, it's very hard for me to do that. Um, so I've always made excuses for why I can't do it. But I, I, the other day I said, okay, let me give this a shot. And I've tried it a few times now and it's actually really helpful. Um, after you get over the first few minutes of the fact that you're sitting still and being quiet, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it, it is, it is very helpful. So I'm really going to try to form a habit of meditation. Uh, but yeah, it's very new still. What about you? 
It's so it's incredible because I was going to say the same thing, and we we oh, haven't funny. we haven't prepared. Uh, we we probably prepared both that. listened to their episode and were I mean, reminded yes, of, that we should yes, do that. Yes, that that was the trigger for me for sure because I um, I tried. I mean, I I started it uh, last year, you know, last summer really, um, and I installed uh, the app on my phone called uh, Calm, and I bought like an annual subscription. I did a 20, 21 day challenge there or you know it was like a um a series of um guided meditations that i really enjoyed mm-hmm. um i did a week again after christmas uh, it was really helpful but i feel like this is a habit i really should should you know invest more time and energy into because it keeps i keep um you know dropping out and like i'll, I'll do it for a chunk of time and then i i forget and i i just realize oh I haven't done it in a while but I really feel that I need it um it it does help um so I I took up you know doing those guided meditations again on 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 that app and also the the yoga app that I'm using um which is called yoga with Cassandra it has some guided meditations that I'm really enjoying too so uh for me though the challenge is that I I mean the, the reason why I kept forgetting about that habit and like not really doing that is because I did not stack it onto something I'm already doing. So I didn't have a Mm -hmm. cue, you know, I I try, I think what makes sense for me uh, would be to do it in the, in the evening, just before bedtime or in the morning when I'm doing yoga, but I can't figure out when is the best time to do it. I've tried it both ways. I enjoyed it both ways. I enjoyed the meditation before bed that relaxes Mm me. I enjoy meditation in the morning, uh, right after my yoga uh, class uh, that I'm doing online so I just have to figure out because uh, I can't do it you know I, or maybe I could do it but both times of the day I just really yeah, have some to make up do. my mind yeah so I'm working on it um, we we should keep each other accountable and do a meditation check-in <laughs> every oh day. boy okay yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah so um, I feel like we haven't shared our reads in a while so maybe we yeah. could do a book nook segment real quick Sure. Um, so a book that I am, oh my gosh, I should share that I picked the worst book to read uh, during the recent uh, Texas freeze um, <laughs> that we had. I um, decided to reread um, the book called 1984 by George oh, yeah. Orwell. It's a great <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, I love it. But then it kind of, you know, turned dark. And uh, I mean, the book, the story turned dark and kind of oh, depressing. Right. Yes. And um and that's when we lost yeah. power and we had this whole, uh, you know, drama here in Texas. And mm-hmm. I was just like really struggling because that was a perfect time to read because I, I couldn't work. I couldn't do much else. We just played mm-hmm. board games and, you know, uh, <laughs> tried to get some some uh, signal on our phones to, to check the news and see when we get power again. But I really struggled um, finishing that book. So that was... Um, I could see that. Yeah. That's, yeah, I didn't think about that. But mm. but then when I finished it, I picked up a new one, uh, which is by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, and it's called Big Magic. Um, and I learned about that book after I watched a video uh, that's I've read or heard about somewhere, someone sharing about that video where she talks about the difference between a job, um, a passion, a calling, you know, all these things, like, because people mm-hmm. sometimes confuse all these different uh, concepts. Yep. So I really liked that video. And I decided to try that book. And it's really, really great. So it's all about um, 
creativity and allowing yourself to be creative and um, how to, you know, realize if it's if it's a calling or a job or a hobby um, and uh, overcome any fears or insecurities that you have about allowing yourself to be creative, um, how to overcome that feeling that you should, you know, that you don't deserve to do it because you, you can't be original or that, you know, somebody's probably already done it before. So why should I, you know, write or create something? So this book is really uh, easy to read, really powerful. Um, I'm about halfway through and I'm really enjoying it. So what yes, about you? I've read that one. You did? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've read it, but it's been a long, long time. Yeah. So I should probably read it again. Yeah. 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 So I just finished a book that I'm sure many people of our, you know, many of our colleagues, people have read this book. It's not a very new book anymore, but I waited for a long time when it came out um, to read it because there was a lot of hype around it. It Mm -hmm. was very popular. Um, But now that I've read it, it's one of those books that sticks with you. I keep thinking about this book. Uh Um, And that is uh, called Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember off the top of my head who wrote it, but we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. It's so well written. It is a beautifully written book. And um, it's, it's one of those books that makes you really think about the nature of people, but also she writes about nature because I think the author maybe is a biologist mm-hmm. as well or something. And anyway, she studies, you know, um, biology, I believe it is. And she, just her description of like areas uh, of nature, natural areas and, and mm-hmm. you know, insects and animals and, and flowers and leaves and trees. Wow. It's just a beautifully written book, and I haven't read a book that good in a while. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely recommend if you haven't read Where the Crawdads Sing. Um, and let's see, I've also read some other thrillers and stuff, but nothing that's mm-hmm. too noteworthy right now that I can think of. So, yeah, so that's all the time we have for today. We hope that you find um, our experiences helpful, and we'd love to know how you handle parenthood while freelancing or running your business. Let us know. You can comment on the show notes page for this episode, uh, which is on our website, or you can tag us on social media or email us at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. Yes, we'd love to hear about your experiences um, being freelancers and parents. Um, and yeah, thanks for a great chat, Madalena. It was really fun. Yeah, yes. Um, so next week, our email subscribers will get a summary of this episode, including the links to all the resources that we mentioned today. So if you're not receiving our emails yet, please sign up on our website, smarthabitsfortranslators.com. And if you liked this episode, there are a couple of simple ways that you can share your support. Please share it with your colleagues and friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This only takes a minute and we've recorded a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. We'll link to that in the show notes. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered some simple strategies that you can apply today at work or at home to help you achieve the lifestyle you desire. If you did, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic you want us to cover, please send us a message at hello at smarthabitsfortranslators.com. If you like this episode, we'd appreciate if you'd leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share the podcast with other translators you know.